0: We have a super special guest here on ACL Day One today, the legendary Georgia and Miami coach and her, the most recent Peach Bowl Hall of Fame inductee, Coach Mark Rick. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, I'm glad to be here and uh, it was a lot of fun to go to the Peach Bowl since it turned out to be a uh, playoff game for Coach for uh, Coach Smart and the, and the Bulldogs. It was nice to be able to be in front of the Georgia people.
0: And ring in the new year that way, right, Coach? That was an
1: amazing way to ring in the new year. That was an amazing game. It was really exciting. I obviously and I heard the crowd was the biggest crowd ever in the dome. Yes. And I heard it probably was the highest rated TV show ever in that in the Peach Bowl games. So it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it it really was. And Coach, I'm gonna take you back a little bit and this kind of warms my heart because I I so loved the late, great Bobby Bowden and was a huge fan of Florida State. So in reading uh, just some of the excerpts from your book, Make the Call, one of the things that he said was that while you were there, uh, he had the privilege of leading you to Christ in 1986 and how he and so many other people admire the fact that you are the same, you walk the walk, you talk the talk. I work with Drew Butler, and he had the same thing to say about you as well, that you are the same no matter what. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is this. How are you able to be so consistent, and how do you feel that's helped you to make an impact on so many people, including your right.
1: Well, I'm not as consistent as everybody might think. Uh, I'm human, obviously. <laughs> right. I've got my issues, uh, for sure. Uh, the beautiful thing is – We're forgiven for all of our stupidity and uh, (laughs) we can't be comfortable, can't be comfortable in it. But uh, I think, you know, the decision I made to follow Christ in 1986 uh, just set me on a trajectory of uh, obedience or at least the desire to be obedient to God. So my goal really from that point forward wasn't so much that I wanted to be a coordinator or a head coach or even a football coach, you know, my goal was to try to live a life that God would be pleased with. And and I basically just said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it and I'll do it the best I can. And so that was kind of how I would base all the decisions I made throughout my life is, you know, would, would God be pleased with this or not? And uh, it was, you know, the goal was to, you know, you know, obey the best I could and uh, certainly uh, a simple goal, but not necessarily an easy goal all the time.
2: True indeed. Coach, one of the things that I've always admired about in that, right, is people, when, when you say following God's word, right, or following what, what you feel that he's telling you, and where you should go, and I think that I think I, I think it, it came to light a lot when um, people were talking about with Deion Sanders and and how his decision in, to leave Jackson State, and they a lot of people came into question about that. So my question to you is: Did you ever find yourself in a point where people said that hey, you probably should stay at Florida State or or or, or stay right. at Florida State before you made the decision to go to Georgia? oh yeah i mean
1: the bottom line is when you are in a position of authority or if you're uh, a leader of any kind and you make decisions not everybody's going to be happy with it and uh right. you know it just goes back to my faith if, if my goal is to please the media or please the administration or please the player or the parent or whoever it is you know the bottom line is no matter what decision you make somebody's going to be mad <laughs> And <laughs> right. you know, probably some of you gonna be happy, but the bottom line is if you're if your goal is to you know please God with what you do, I mean obviously um, you have prayer, you have the ability to get in God's word. If something's contrary to God's word, it's easy to know that's not what he wants for you, you know. But uh, the bottom line is if you're pursuing integrity and you're and you're pursuing the uh the ability to hear God uh, through prayer and going to church and getting in his word, usually the, the spirit will tell you. Once you become a believer, the Holy Spirit enters into you and uh, he'll He'll guide you along the way.
0: Indeed. indeed. And speak about that guidance. You've given a lot of guidance to so many. And it's very interesting looking at the mark that you've made in Athens from day one, even to today. And I say that because Kirby Smart's there, and you hired him as a running back coach in 2005, and so many others, like Bobo, who's with you. He's now back at Georgia. And so I kind of look at that as the Mark Rich tree, right? And so how much is that a testament or a lasting legacy to you in terms of what you were able to establish in Athens?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned those two guys, uh, Stacy Searles, Mike Bobo, Brian McClendon, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Hartley. You know, a lot of those guys are are there that were with me either at Georgia uh, or Miami or both, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or guys that I might, might have recruited and coached. But, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, those guys uh, got opportunities. I mean, I didn't hire them out of high school, you know, coach. I mean, they all – had very solid resumes, and Todd Hartley, for example, came up through the ranks of Georgia as a graduate assistant coach, and all. But all these men were very competent, very established uh, as coaches in their specific area, and and Kirby believed that those guys were the right guys for the job. And I'm just thankful that they they've got the opportunity to you know
2: be on hopefully back-to-back national championship teams. And speaking of the back-to-back national championship, Coach, like just the way the game ended, did did it kind of bring up any memories of, of the wide left? You know, we have some Florida State kickers for famous for that, but did you on the other side of that right. one time when, um, when you were the offensive coordinator for Florida State, right? Right. Uh, the
1: 1993 national championship, I think it was the 94 Orange Bowl.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we, we were behind late. Uh, had a late scoring drive to take the lead uh, by a point or two. This is uh, Florida State versus Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh, But we left a couple ticks on the clock. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Tommy Frazier, if I'm not mistaken, the quarterback yes. for Nebraska mm-hmm. threw, him, threw the ball down the middle. They caught it. And then it looked like the game was over. And everybody was celebrating, going crazy. And then the refs put one second back on the clock. Let him line up for a, a very makeable kick, a long kick, but makeable, uh, similar to the one uh, with the, with George Ohio State. And by the grace of God, uh, the the kid in Nebraska missed about as badly as the kid at Ohio State did. So <laughs> right. it wasn't wasn't a lot of drama once it got off, once it was hit off his foot. But uh, truly, if that kid makes the kick, we don't win the national championship in '93. Exactly. You know, and if that kid from Ohio State makes that kick, obviously Georgia's out of an opportunity. So, uh, you just never know. I mean, football such an awesome game. You got all kind of skill sets and body types and all these wonderful athletes. And then you got about a 150 pound kicker decides who wins and who loses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you hate that coach because it
0: feels like he has one job and he didn't get it right. done. But we all know that he plays. Well, you feel the- bad.
1: You feel bad for that kid. I mean, you don't right. want. To, yes, exactly. You want Georgia to win, but you know the weight of the world was on that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing, it's interesting, Coach, because covering the celebration bowl, Deion Sanders tied in, had just the ball in his hand and could have just ended that game and Jackson State would have gone on to an undefeated season. And Deion right. Sanders had to go into that locker room and really encourage that young man and say, right. hey, you Know it wasn't just you, there were other players, and you're going to be fine and, and let's go forward. And I know that's a part of what Talk. you as coaches have to do. So, coach, when you think about even Georgia, I know for me, and I wasn't even a player, I'm just watching it on TV. It was mentally, spiritually, emotionally draining, keeping us to the last minute to see if Georgia was going to get it done. How do you coach? reset your team and say, okay, got to put this behind us and we got to get ready for that next game, much like Coach Martin has had to get those guys together and say we got a national championship to go win.
1: Well, I think what helps you the most, part of it is the experience of doing it a year ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is I know as a coaching staff, we, we start looking at tape of the next team before the players do, maybe by a day or half a day, whatever it is. But the bottom line is, once you turn the tape on and you see what you're about to face, it it uh, gets you back in the in the right frame of mind pretty quick because everybody understands players, coaches alike, that uh, the next team's going to be very, very talented, very opportunistic, and and good enough to beat you if you're not playing your best. So, uh, a lot of times, the just watching the tape of the opponent and understanding what's at stake and understanding what type of a challenge it's going to bring gets everybody back
2: on on base pretty quick.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that that's the good thing about, you know, resetting like that because like I said, you got the coaches got to get everybody right first and know what what the game plan is going to be and then the players coming right behind it. I think that's a really good thing. Coach, last one for me. I, I think with Kirby Smart, I'm just fascinated by what he's what he has to put up with now. Not put up with that's <laughs> harsh word. Harsh word. Uh, what he has to deal with as a head coach in today's college football world. We talk. We just got. Um, we're talking about you know NILs and NIL deals and all those things right. that kind of that's a part of recruiting nowadays. Like what what are some of your thoughts on 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 those on those deals and with the and also on the other side with the players they have to make these decisions too right. with, with what company they want to part with, with and stuff like that. So how do you feel about players and coaches having to deal with all of this right. NIL stuff?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the new normal. It's, it's, it's here to stay. It's not going away. I don't think anytime soon. And once you allow someone to earn income, you can't really restrict it. So, you know, some people are like, well, let's, let's put a limit on it and all that kind of thing. But our country wasn't built that way. I mean, it's right things yeah. against the law to restrict earnings for somebody so you know it's going to be op whatever the market's going to bear is what these kids are going to get mm-hmm. but you know the same thing happens in the nfl i mean you'll have a quarterback making more money than an offensive lineman and things of that nature and i, I think the kids will get used to it quicker than the coaches will mm-hmm. the other thing that's different obviously is the transfer rule how quickly yeah. a guy can transfer if things don't go his way so yeah the hardest thing I would think now is to truly build a team and, and have that team attitude because everybody's kind of worried about their own personal brand and and when it comes to nil and things like that or if I'm not starting today I'm I'm transferring going somewhere else tomorrow mm-hmm. or if you try to discipline me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. move on because I'm not, I don't want to listen to what you got to say so I think that would be the toughest part of coaching is to try to, you know, put a true team together and, uh, you know, be able to discipline guys and help them grow and mature through the mistakes they make along the way.
0: And I think some of those guys are
1: learning that lesson the hard way because
0: the percentages of those individuals who are going into the portal who don't get picked up or ultimately decide to return to their schools, that's kind of a lesson in and of itself, Coach, So you're absolutely right. And listen, we could not wrap this up without asking you, when you look at Georgia, when you look at TCU. What coach would you say is that one key to the game for Georgia to win this championship, get that back to back? But also, wouldn't you see as the key to the game the TCU? I mean, we're going to put up that in coach, coach, because we know they're 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 there because they earned it too. But right, well, did the
1: to be the broads after this? Right. Well, you know, teams that are used to winning are very hard to beat. I mean, even you know during the regular season, if you you might even play a, a group of five team. But if they're an undefeated undefeated group of five team, they're tougher to beat than a power five team that's, you know, 600 winning percentage or whatever it is. So teams that are used to winning are winning for a reason. They, they They create good habits all along the way. They're solid in special teams. They're good with turnovers. You know, they're good at taking the ball away and all that kind of thing. So, you know, TCU didn't get there by accident. And how many times have they been in some tight ball games and come back and won it? You know, quite a few times, everybody was leaving them for dead a bunch. So, you know, if Georgia plays their best will they win the game, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, but uh, if Georgia struggles and turns it over a couple times and uh, gets themselves in a situation where the game's a lot tighter than they, than they hoped for, you know, it could get interesting. But I think TCU really needs to have a good start, a good fast start to, to give them the confidence to play with these guys. Uh, I think they start slow. It, it could be a beat down before it's over, but they start hot in the beginning. Uh, they can make it interesting.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I felt as well, Coach. I feel like with TCU, you don't want to say play a perfect game, but they're going to have to play near perfect and get out of those gates fast and furious, and they keep that same energy the entire game because, man, Georgia's got some guns. They got some weapons. Yeah. We're all excited to see this game next week, but couldn't be more excited to have you here, Coach Rick. Coach Mark, Rick, appreciate your time, and uh, definitely, I know it's still for you. Go Dogs.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still a big dog fan for sure. So uh, thanks for having me on the show, y'all. Do a great job. Thank you. Thanks coach. You so much.
2: Thanks so, coach.